Hi, I'm Claire Ballard, and I'm a 30-something millennial who spent 12 years in radio and the last five years hosting a morning show. This podcast is about me and my life and life in general, and will feature friends, experts, and listeners. This is Claire on the Air. Denise Biggerstaff of Denise Biggerstaff Coaching is with me today, and Denise and I have crossed paths a few different times, but we haven't spent a ton of time together. You are a good friend of Mary Allen's, and she said you've got to get Denise on the podcast to talk about all of the stuff that she does with her coaching. She says that you're an Enneagram expert. Oh, oh boy. Okay, well, or let's you know keep, about the Enneagram? Let's keep the de- yep, definition of expert low. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's good to set those. <laughs> right. Yeah. But th- um, that's okay because I don't know much about the Enneagram at all. And I have taken some tests. And um, the way that Enneagram seems to me as far as personality tests is like you kind of pick one. Oh. Is that wrong? That's wrong. Okay. So mm-hmm. you take an actual test to get your results. Yeah. And I have taken mine. So I am probably an eight. I would, I don't guess people's name, uh, numbers. I don't guess their numbers because behavior is not indicative of a number on the Enneagram because anybody can have the same behavior. It's the core motivation. What behind Mm. it is driving that, okay? So let me back up. Tell us all about Enneagram okay. in general. Let me back up and do that. So the Enneagram is a nine-point personality typing system. It's ancient. Go on and read the history on it. It's amazing. Moved into popular culture in the 70s, and since then has been, um, there's been psychotherapy, psycho, psychology applied to that. So it's become very modern, Okay. Spiritual, if you care to go there. Psychology, if you care to go there. So unlike Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder, DISC, which are all amazing assessments that tell you how you show up in the room, the Enneagram says you made a decision way back when you were tiny on how to be safe in the world, And that motivation then caused you to build a personality and you have moved through the world with this personality, basically in the name of staying safe. I did see that. I actually retook a test today and I saw that question come up a lot. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. So what we do then with the Enneagram, first of all, I will tell you, um, the Enneagram is gaining popularity. I mean, it's been super popular, of course, on the West Coast. Yeah. For decades. It's moving into our area. Uh, people like to take the free assessments that take three minutes. And then they walk around and they say, I'm a three, I'm a three. And they, you know, it's a parlor game. That's right. what I've heard it yeah. referred to as. Um, and everybody talks about how they're a three, you know. Well, the point of the Enneagram, should you choose to use it this way, is a self-growth system. Like it's about saying I am a three right now. And that's the picture I've painted of myself. But the point is to move beyond my number. Okay. Are you looking for something to move beyond two? Like, are you? Well, so what you do in the end is integrate all the really beautiful things in the numbers, which are, Hmm. I mean, every number is represented in every person. Yeah. We've just chosen a dominant motivation. Okay. okay. So if you're an eight, Claire, your motivation is to be in control. Uh, uh, I'll be over here if you need me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds pretty spot on. Okay. So you were about five. I'm making that up. Right. And you watched the world around you. Your synapses were not even connected. And you said, oh, The world is out of control. I need to control it. Hold it a minute. Like, there are things that are not fair in the world. They need to be fair. I need to control that. So eights are very protective. Uh, There's often a social justice issue Mm -hmm. in their world. Like, they look around and just know that things have to change. And they love to control. 
in the name of not being vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. I've always felt like that doesn't fully sum- summarize me. Like, you know, when I first found out I was an eight, I was like, I get that, but I don't feel like it's it's really dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I used to think maybe I was like a seven wing eight or an eight wing seven, sure. but I don't know a lot about what that means. I also, when I took the test today, the free assessment today, yeah. um, my it, eight and four looked oh. about the same. Yeah. So I'm not really sure which one is stronger. That's cool. And then I think seven was next. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. So but I don't know a lot about any of them. So, okay. First of all, I have, I'm certified through integrative Enneagram solutions. Um, sophisticated company, a sophisticated assessment, like 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Cool. 45 minutes of an assessment. And then you receive back a 42 page packet. And it starts out with this beautiful broad stroke of the eight. And then it narrows as the packet goes on and you can see some real nuances and patterns. Um, So I could talk for hours on this. So what I'm going to tell you first, remind me of all the things I want to say. Um, There are three instincts to every number. And everyone has all three instincts. Self-preservation, which means exactly what it sounds like. I am concerned about what I need. Okay? Mm-hmm. So being concerned about what I need doesn't isn't selfish. It's just awareness. I know how comfortable the chair is. I know the temperature in the room. Okay? So that's self-preservation. Okay. That shows up and flavors the eight. Okay? The second instinct is one-to-one. That's the instinct we have to find that person, right? I mean, think about reproduction, okay? Mm-hmm. Find a spouse, have babies, keep, keep it all going, okay? Or it also relates to best friends, hmm. your circle. Um, and that is that piece that says, I have somebody, we go deep, and that fills that need. Yeah. Okay. The next instinct is social. That does not mean you like to party. It doesn't mean you're an extrovert. It means you are aware of the community. You have to belong. So I am a social two. Two is the considerate helper. Um, And in my world, social looks a lot like my network. So I'm very aware of who I'm connected to. So you and I will be talking, Claire, and you'll say something and it will spark an idea in me. And all of a sudden my head is spinning and I'm thinking about the three other people you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. And I know if I get in trouble, I'm going to call the network. They're going to circle the wagons and somebody's going to have an answer. Yeah. 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 Isn't that amazing? So you're a two. I'm a two. And how do you know whether, like you said, a social two, Mm -hmm. how do you know that you're social two and not a Mm -hmm. um, Mm one-to-one or a self-preservation? Again, that's in that test. Oh, okay. That's in the test. It breaks that down. Sure. But I will tell you, like you, uh, there are lots of schools of thought in the Enneagram that says you don't need to do any testing. You can do all the research yourself if you want to and figure it all out. So there are plenty of sites out there with that kind of information. Um, I just so it's not necessarily picking one. No, but you can read up on them and see which one yeah. you feel like. Yeah, and it definitely flavors the number. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I will tell you, eights show up oftentimes um, very commanding, very intimidating. That's oftentimes kind of the typical eight. Yeah. Uh, they're direct. You're going to know if you torque them off because. A, they'll either tell you or they're going to lose their cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm all of these things. Okay. <laughs> Claire, you're so agreeable. Go, you're like, so agreeable. <laughs> I'm nice and fun and things too yeah. and creative and, and care about other things. But yeah, I'm all of those things. All of that stuff. So eight sits in the anger triad. Yeah. And eights get angry. Okay. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So then the, the part of the instincts that I think is 
fascinating and that it helps to have someone who's certified kind of help you push through it is that there's another number on the circle that can look like an eight. And that's actually a six with a counterphobic instinct of one-to-one. I believe it's the um, sexual instinct six that becomes counterphobic. I'll have to look it up. So much information to remember. But what they do is the six is scared. They are fearful. They are super loyal. They are authentic. I mean, we want sixes in our circle. They're so responsible. But they are fear-based. Hmm. So they are always thinking out about how to stay safe. That was a question that, again, that, that question came up a lot today in the, the free assessment that I came up with uh-huh. instantly. I forget what site it was. It started with a T, I think, true yeah. something. But I don't know. But it was like, do you think about ways to stay stay safe or do you try to avoid situations that might be harmful or yeah. hurtful or dangerous? But that was not me for any of them. Right. No way. But if you're a six, it yeah. would be. Absolutely. So the eight is like, I don't think I'm scared of anything. Bring it on. Yeah. I'll I mean, that's... Yeah, and that's that piece of you that even says that in your core motivation, right? Like, I'm going to control it. Yeah. But the sixes say, like, that's scary and something bad could happen. Right. So that really, I mean, vacation planning, it shows up, you know, blah, blah, blah. So if you're a counterphobic six, they view fear differently. So what they do is they decide that they're going to take it on right? So they have the same commanding, you know, way about them. And they're like, I'm not scared of nothing. So I talked to a counterphobic six one time and he said, I'm not scared of anything. He said, let me tell you, my family and I, we drive across that Henderson bridge all the time. And he said, and I know exactly what I'm going to do when that bridge (laughs) blows up and we go plunging into the Ohio. He has a plan already for like the most unrealistic. I'm like, like, gosh, I would have never thought of that, but he has. Right. But so that the sixes come against the fear. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's so fascinating. So they can, if you look at behavior, Claire, they can look like an eight. Okay. So that's not fair. Like we don't walk around going, oh, she has to be a one. Right. Right. We just don't do that. So. Okay. So do you want to go through some of the different types? I love that. Because I I think some people listening will definitely be familiar with this already. Absolutely. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so because it's really um, amazing. I have um, used it in organizations already and it, absolutely it will it will do some a couple of things i've told eights i've i've coached them and they look at the packet claire and they look at me and they go how the beep did they ever figure out who i was just asking me questions like you know so they flip out then there are some (laughs) numbers that read the packet and they just start crying oh yeah you know some of them say i'm i've never known myself this way there's so much language wow yeah it's really fascinating so I have an introduction to the Enneagram in front of me on my iPad so I'm cheating great no is that great yeah it's a lot of info like you said a lot of info to memorize yeah and I'm 58 make sure that you explain it (laughs) right you can say whatever you want thanks baby thanks Claire (laughs) that's awesome um so I will tell you nine numbers and they sit on the circle in a particular way, okay? Okay. So we're going to start at the top, and the number at the top of the circle is the nine, and the nine is the peacemaker. Hence, they get the seat of royalty. They're called the sweetheart of the Enneagram. Aww, the nine. I love the number nine. I wanted to be a nine, but then I read it and was like, I'm not a nine. You're not a nine. I'm not. But you have nine <laughs> as a wing. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah, does yeah. that mean because it's next to eight? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. That's what a wing is. That's what a wing is. Okay. So the nine sits at the top of the circle and it looks down. They look down on all the other numbers, Claire. Cool. And they are unbelievable mediators because they literally understand all the other numbers. They are just peacemakers. They just want to extend generosity and kindness to those numbers. Now, the interesting thing about a nine is they made the core decision to stay under the radar 
Okay. So they don't want to be any trouble. That, that's the peacemaker part of them. Are they a leader type? Absolutely. Anybody can lead. Any okay. number can lead. But like, do they seek leadership roles, like management kind of roles? Sure. Or are those more behind the scenes? They absolutely they run their own businesses. Yep. Okay. I know n- nines in every sector. Cool. Okay. But their motivation is harmony. Mm. Right? So they have to fight. All of us have to fight the core motivation because it will keep us in our little box. Yeah. Okay. So nines will say, I see the entire Enneagram. I understand them all. They all bring gifts and talents and they play almost the devil's advocate often. But nines often will find it hard to have dreams because they wanted to stay out of the way. So they just shut everything down. They don't have goals necessarily, you know. They're very responsive. Yeah. So that's something that they have to work on. They really want to keep balance. They want to keep balance. So that's a nine. Yep. Okay. Let's move to the one because we're going to move away from your eight. Okay. The one, again, sits at the top next to the nine. And the one is the reformer. I call them the reformer. They're strict perfectionist. Mm. Okay. Now listen. You want a one in your organization because they are going to know policy and procedure. They are going to keep you out of jail. <laughs> they are probably like the organizers. They love yeah. the structure. Um, I need ones in my oh, life. Oh, absolutely we do. Mm-hmm. They want to do the right thing. Now, they often suffer in that they expect the right thing out of themselves. Right, so they hear the inner critic all the time. There's a conversation going in their heads all the time about how they have to be better, 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 better. But the ones bring us structure, and they love to improve, okay? Now, pop on the other side of your nine, and there's your eight. That is our active controller. We've talked about the eight. Your motivation is to stay in control, not be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. right? Protect and plunder. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah. So literally be in control. Yeah. Okay. So now I've described the nine, the one, and the eight. So imagine them at the top of the circle. That's a triad. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, the nine numbers. We're going to cut them into three ways. We make triads. That is our gut triad. They move in instinct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Eights, have the ability, Claire, to kind of look out and see trouble coming. Yeah. They, canary in the coal mine is what I've heard them say that about. Okay. okay. Um, and that, that triad, 981, gut response, their fear, their vice is anger. Mm-hmm. Eights. They explode. Everybody drops to the floor. They feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> They've no. gotten it out. Everybody <laughs> else is patting their eyebrows trying to get over it. The nines, in the name of peace. In the name of peace, Claire, the nines push all of that anger down. And then one day, they blow and go all historical on you and yeah. can, you know, tell you everything that's happened in the last year. Mm. The ones never get angry because it's not the right thing to do, but they're always a little frustrated, always irritated, always. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Yes. Okay. We're moving into the feeling triad now. Okay. Okay. That is two, three, four. The twos are the considerate helper. So they look for ways to help because they think that equals love. If I help you, you're going to love me back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they make great support people. Again, great bosses. Anything you can do, they can do. Right. But that's their core motivation is to be liked. Um, the threes are the achiever. And they say, what I do is who I am. Yeah. Their role is the most important thing. And they outshine everybody. They don't even believe in failure. Like it's not going to happen. Even if they get a little through their chest, like anxiety, 
that is dismissed and on they go. Wow. Yeah. They're going to make the world rock. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then a four, which you said you, it popped up. It did. It, it was almost equally as high as the eight Ooh, fantastic. today. Okay. Fantastic. Today. I yeah. I, I don't know that I saw that in the past. Maybe I didn't. I just wrote it off. Sure. I didn't know. Sure. So the four is our creative, the individualist. Mm. Now, interestingly, their core motivation is to be unique. So that can show up in clothing, hair color, their cars, their old houses. Yeah. They choose ways to be different. Yeah, I definitely connect with that. I don't I don't uh, express myself in that way through fashion or like anything that would look outwardly, you know, that way yes. initially. Yes. But I have always felt different than everyone. Absolutely. And I do things that like my family or other close friends are like, why would you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Why would you buy a 1914 house by yourself on a third oh of a ha- an acre? You know what I mean? Like why little, you? little things like that. Yeah, yeah. Or like, why did you move out of state yeah. three times and, yeah, you know. I'm just figuring it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Moving into my own space. I am Claire. Yeah. Who is Claire? I got to go find her. Right. She might be over there. Yep. Right. Yeah. Claire 2.0 right now is what, <laughs> what I keep telling people. Claire we don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> we don't know what that is yet. So fantastically <laughs> exciting. Yeah. It really Good is. for you. Good Thank for you. you. So great. So that 234 is our feeling or our heart triad. Okay. Okay. And then the 567 is the thinking triad. They're in the head. Okay? Okay. The five is the quiet specialist, and they have a desire to understand the world. So they love information. It's not uncommon for them to pick something and know everything they can about it. Mm -hmm. Um, They bring wisdom to us. Okay? The six is the loyal skeptic, and again, high angst, Anxiety, okay? It doesn't mean that the rest of the numbers don't have anxiety. Sure. If you have an anxiety disorder, it does not mean you're six. Yeah. It just means you have to pay attention to yourself, right? But sixes are given to a little bit of fear. They are loyal. They're responsible. They're authentic, okay? Okay. The seven is the enthusiastic visionary, and they are all about experiencing everything they can. I love a seven. I know. Sevens are so fun. I feel like I'm a seven when I'm at my best. Oh, that's so good to know. Yeah. So their core motive. Or maybe a four, you know, knowing a little bit more about four. Well, I'll tell you some ideas about the tri-types in a minute. Don't let me forget. But you have, if you're an eight and you have a wing seven, right? Um, You have the ability to drop into that place. Sevens will tell you they have a fear of missing out. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Right. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I, I really enjoy like being at home and missing out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, but, but as far as going out and doing fun things and taking risks and traveling and seeing things and mm-hmm. having fun and being really positive. Yeah. Sunny. You know, Very yeah. sunny. Yeah. That's excellent. That's great. So the seven, their core motivation is to avoid pain. Interesting. Yeah. So they really don't want to settle down. Yeah. And think about the things that have happened mm-hmm. that are painful. They just don't want to do it. Yeah. So they just keep flitting around. And, and we fun. all love to have them at a party. Yes. They're a blast. Big thinkers. Big thinkers. So that's the Enneagram in a nutshell. Got it. That's Lots. a great breakdown. Well, thanks. Yeah. Great. So now. We have three triads. Mm-hmm. We have gut, we have feeling, we have head. Okay? You and I have all three of those represented within us. So there's a school of thought in the Enneagram that says we actually have a tri-type. You have a high number in each one of the triads. Yeah. So you said seven, four, and eight. eight. Okay. So let me... See if I can find my tri-type information because I'm telling you right now, that's not even going to be in my brain right now. Um, so, and we don't know because you haven't tested. So yeah, it would just right. be this like just, random, like we're just making this stuff up. Yeah. Um, the title is The Messenger. You are intuitive, 
innovative, and protective. You want to be original, creative, and straightforward. A cutting-edge tracker of both your internal and external worlds. You're an unconventional, passionate, and self-possessed master of solutions. Outwardly, you're confident with a sense of panache, but inwardly, you are emotionally vulnerable. Wow. I, that sounds exact. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And that would be, so I've been working with the Enneagram for a couple of years, really having just jumped off into my coaching and it's all elevated now within the last couple of months. But this tri-type piece is not very popular in the Enneagram overall. It's gaining notoriety. Yeah. But it is absolutely fascinating people I'm talking to. Like it seems to like bring it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, maybe someone really just feels like they completely identify with just that one, Mm -hmm. but more often than not, you know, we all have so many different aspects too. Yeah. But you, like you said, it's interesting to break it down to just your core motivation. And that's something that I haven't thought as much about when I've considered the Enneagram. Yeah. Absolutely. And so think about the core motivation. And I always associate that with some type of safety, some type of fear. So what we do then is we start saying, what are our patterns? And they show up. I mean, they're all day long. Mm -hmm. Claire, they're all day long. And what we do next is we start trying to do the work of moving beyond that right? Soothing ourselves, telling ourselves, look, I'm safe. I know my pattern now. Of course, I'm getting angry. Of course, I'm getting protective, you know, but there's no need for that right now. Mm. So I tell people, we choose a response. And then we, that pattern is our default. So it, like runs this rut into our heads, into our minds, into our hearts. And we just keep falling back into it. It's not unlike the Oregon Trail. Remember learning about the Oregon Trail in history class. I know that just the name. Just I mean, the name. literally nothing else is coming back to me. <laughs> it's been a well, long time. It is a trail out in Oregon. Yeah. And that's where the wagons would all line up and they'd head out west. Well, literally. do you watch Yellowstone? No. Okay. Yellowstone, big show. And they just released, I don't know if prequel is the right word, but uh, a show, there's a new series now that shows before Yellowstone oh, no. takes place. And it's 1883 <gasps> and they're out on the Oregon Trail. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. okay, that's full, awesome. Full circle moment. There. Okay. So I have been told, I have not been out there, but I have been t- told that the Oregon Trail is literally still there. Because thousands of wagons use that GPS system to get out west. So it's just laid down like concrete. It's crazy. Those are the pathways in our brain too, right? Is that the subconscious mind? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we don't know that we're doing it. We just made the choice and we've acted and acted Uh and acted out of it. Right. So what we do is become aware. And then our work is, we're going to slide that way. Our work is to fill in the rut maybe. A little mm-hmm. bit, maybe stop the slide quite so fast, and we'll never move completely away from it. Yeah. You know, but the point is to come up with some different ways of, of reacting. I feel like I've seen some memes on the Enneagram where it's like, you're, um, I know, there, there I are a ton. It. I know. But there are some where it's like, if you're an eight, here's where you're at your best, and here's oh, yeah. where you're not at your best. Mm-hmm. And, and they're different behaviors. So like right. you're angry and acting out or you are um, leading. I don't know exactly what the best comparison is there, but exactly. something like that. Is that how you can kind of break it down and yeah, recognize maybe how you're acting in a situation or how you're feeling? So I will tell you what my experience has been. First of all, you have to recognize the patterns. Oftentimes we are completely blind to that. So having a coach or a counselor outside helping us pinpoint that can really help. Um, Then we have to do some work. It's not just a will. 
It's not just by will that we're moving out. It has to be a practice. Again, that's been my experience of coming to, as it were, and shaking yourself and recognizing it. Um, But when we have growth, we are actually taking on other numbers reflections, okay? So the point of the Enneagram is to move beyond our number. So I say I resonate with a two, right? Because I'm not a two. I just resonate with that number. It shows up. It's my motivation. My job now is to move into my wings, my four and my three, Mm -hmm. in health, and to move into the lines. Have you ever seen the lines on the on the Enneagram? I don't think circle? so. We have we're connected to so many of the other numbers on the circle. And we move to a number in stress and we move to another number in growth. Hmm. The point is to choose health in both numbers. That's the real yeah. point. So as a two, as resonating with a two, I move to an eight in stress. So guess what I do? I get stressed out. Nobody's cooperating. I'm not being appreciated. I'm being devalued and dismissed. That's going to piss me off. (laughs) And I'm going to zoom up into my eight. And I'm going to control. No, I'm going to lose my... Cool. I'm just going to flip my lid. I'm going to probably yell, which will freak everybody around me out because I'm a two and I'm sunny and I never have a reaction like that. So they're going to get scared. I'm going to see their reaction and I'm going to back up and probably start apologizing really quickly. (laughs) But I move to my eight in anger. Yeah. Now, as a healthy two... I'm going to, I want to move into my cool eight, you know, because you groovy eights have got like this self-assurance, right? Well, as a two, I tend to people please. So I'm not always candid about everything I need to say. So I want to use my two boldness and directness to say what I want to say. Eight boldness and directness. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Move from my two into 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 my eight. eight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. Let's talk about the idea of moving past your core motivation, okay? So the other thing that I've been working on and with, because I am coached. Coaches need coaches who need coaches. Yeah. We're never done. So for the last two years, I've been working with a coach out of Nashville, and she's introduced me to conscious leadership. And the idea of conscious leadership is exactly that. Like how to become present in the world, to recognize your um, place and what you're missing. We're missing so much, right? And how to um, be your best self. So we were talking earlier about the idea of our genius. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, I was just going to try and summarize that. Maybe yeah. you could do that better no, than me. No, you do it. You well, do it. you were just saying that you, you reach a point in greatness, mm-hmm. and then there's a gap between that and genius. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us to get past greatness into genius. And when you get to genius, that's when you really, that you use the word hum, where yeah. things just feel good. And you're yeah. working, and you're, you're passionate. You're working harder than ever, but you've got more energy than ever. Yeah. You're not drained. You're not burnt out you're in this like really sweet spot. It's like, yeah. So people use the word flow. You're in flow. You're in flow. Yes. Right. And uh, Gay Hendricks wrote the book, The Big Leap, and he introduces uh, the levels of our lives and how we move from competence. All our days are spent in competence, excellence, and then genius is beyond that, right? So most of the time, our jobs and our families were in competence and even excellence. Like, I do a lot of things really well, Mm -hmm. right? But they are not the best use of my gifts. So 
when I started at my full-time position three years ago, um, I came into a situation where the CEO, who is an absolutely outstanding mentor, leader, strategist, visionary, she's a sparkle. I came in and I scanned the horizon, right? And I said to myself, oh my gosh, first of all, she's by herself. We really had no other staff at the time. The organization runs on a skeleton crew. Wow. Yeah. So I walk in and I immediately scan as a two. This was pre-Enneagram work. And I start plugging holes, Claire, because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Because subconsciously I say, the more I can figure out and bring my value, the greater the chances are that I'm going to be needed and loved. Which meant that I was doing scheduling, appointments, admin work, and guess what? You want to talk about competence, like barely. Like I'm, I am intent, my intent in life is to be with people, talk to people. Yeah. So I did what I could, but I created a situation where I wasn't using my best gifts. And thank God she's wise enough to know that, you know, so she brought in people to pack the house and, and do those kinds of things. So you could get back to doing what? So I, you tick. yeah, absolutely. Which is people connection. Yeah. Now, now I've taken the step into coaching. And again, she helped push me that way because my real genius is noticing patterns and picking up on that as, as we coach, right. Mm-hmm. And helping people see things and then, and then move past it. And, and that's so my are, hum. Are, you're there. You're in flow. Yeah, I really am in flow. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. It is an absolute gift. And we want to be there about 70% of the time. Yeah. I'm. You know, I got to tell you, when I'm doing the dishes. Not in flow. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> got to tell you that. Yeah. yeah. You know, right. I appreciate a clean house, that's for sure. But yeah. whoa, no flow, no flow. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, we were talking about that with my radio job just, just briefly before we started recording and how uh, maybe I had reached some level of, of greatness in what I was capable of doing in my position and, and everything, but I was not able to get into flow. I was not able to get to that sweet spot. And that's yeah. where that created a lot of frustration for me. Yeah. Because ah. it was like, I was so close, you know, and it was, um, in the realm of where I think my gifts are, but I just couldn't get to a spot where it was, I don't want to say easy, but like I was thriving and that was fun. Do you know what that would look like? Um, I think it comes down to more resources that probably weren't existent in Evansville radio. Okay. You know, and, like, and realistically, I don't know that I could get that in a, a radio job in general. I mean, right. it's possible, but hard, you know, you've got to be really good. You've got to know all the right people and there just aren't a lot of those opportunities. What would you be bringing in that situation? Like if you were actually in that place, like what would your flow look like? I don't know. I mean, I I definitely loved and had so much energy and and creativity and excitement around Mm. communicating ideas and communicating with an audience. I love that. I love that. So it's, I think that's interesting because I think radio is removed right? I mean, you and I are talking, but I don't know who is out there. Yeah. Right. Right. So you're producing something creative and then offering it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like for a specific audience in general. I mean, I didn't know exactly who was listening, but I kind of had an idea. Right. Right. And usually it was mostly women, although definitely some men too. And it was usually between the ages of 18 and 50. Yeah, you, you know a lot. I mean, you know, yeah. we, we narrowed down some things. Yeah. And um, I love that. Yeah. That's so interesting. So do you feel like your flow will be found outside of that, outside of radio? It has to be. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't, I'm not, I can't I pursue assume. that again. I would assume. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not that I would never do any form of radio again. I would, but um, the other problem is that 
to achieve that level of flow, it would be my entire life. And oh, that's I don't interesting. want that. I that's really interesting. That. Yeah, that's very interesting that you know that. Okay. So what I would guess, and that's all this is, is an educated guess, is you, you have to be creative mm-hmm. in some way. And of course, I think that is a piece of all of us. I've talked to um, Enneagram 2, like that I resonate with. In growth, we dive into a four. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which is a creative type. Right. It's a creative. So I was talking to a gentleman one time, and I said, okay, when I say creative, like you have to provide that piece. Is it music? You know, is right. it writing? Right. Is it? And he looked at me with this blank stare. I said, is it spreadsheets? And he lit up. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> that's I'm like, creativity for him. He goes, honestly, that's exactly what I do yeah. for my release is create spreadsheets. And I don't know exactly what it is for me right now. I, for the longest time, and I still think it's this, it's just that it's for some reason not motivating. Like I'm not driven to do this right now. Maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know what it is, but it was like that for a time but something about communicating is a form of express it's a form of creativity for me completely so something about like thinking of certain words and saying them a certain way and communicating a certain kind of message is where I like to be but it doesn't make me want to get in this studio every day and sometimes I don't feel like I have a lot to say or I feel like it's a lot of work to yeah come up with what to say right. in the way that I want to that's amazing. So I don't know if that is exactly it then. Right. So what about words in marketing? Yeah, I mean, it's a part of it. I don't see marketing as being like, like marketing for others as being my, mm-hmm. my thing. What about writing? I like to write, but I'm not as skilled as I would like to be. But yeah, I mean, as a kid, I really enjoyed writing. Okay, I've got an idea for you. Fun. I know. So I have just picked up a book, and maybe you've already done this, but it's called The Artist's Way. Mm-mm. Okay. Julia Cameron is the author. And I have this um, book has actually been suggested to me by my coach and by my um, cousin who has been a coach for decades. And so I finally picked it up. Claire, you know, you know how it is. Finally, yeah, finally, right. finally. Um, I more more of my books are used as reference because I only read three chapters. You know what I mean? I it's do like, that too. Ah, yeah. Um, so this book is she touts it being a recovery program for shadow artists. So what she does is her premise is we are all creative. We just have buried that. So our parents told us it's never going to make you any money. We were told by a teacher, you're, it's not, you know, you're, you don't have it, whatever that is. I yeah. mean, she comes up with all, a million other things. We put it off on the side and we went about our other way. So she takes you through this book. It's actually 12 weeks worth of a program and helps you kind of uncover the shadow artist. Hmm. That sounds really interesting. You know, when I've tried to, because, uh, and we, I mentioned this to you before. I mean, when I think of my ideal life, I want to work for myself mm-hmm. and, um, I would like to work with people, but I don't want to work for people or have people really work for me. I kind of want to do a solo thing yeah. and I want it to be, it has to have some layer of creativity like helping people, but it's not like what really drives me. Like I'm not a two at all. Right. I don't, I don't connect with that very much. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I have been trying to think like, what is my thing? What is the thing that I would do if I had my own business? If I did work for myself, what would that look like? And just trying to think back all the different things that I've done in my life. As a kid, I played sports. I was, I was really athletic, yeah. but I also loved art and writing and I would yeah. come up with stories and I would draw little cartoons and do a lot of those things. But you know, I haven't done that in yeah. 20 years. Sure. Absolutely. So maybe that's the uncovering. 
Yeah, could be. I don't know that it's the answer. Yeah. But it may uncover the answer. Right. Might get you closer, that's for certain. Yeah, take a look at it and I will. Let's talk about that. That's very cool, Claire. Well, it sounds like you can do a lot to help people with your coaching program. And Enneagram is just part of that. Enneagram is just part of that. We deal with conscious leadership. Anything I'm reading, my clients get to hear about, right? (laughs) Any of my experiences, they get to know. So I love that. The other um, certification I have is in the Working Genius Productivity Model. That comes out of the table group from Patrick Lencioni. And he wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Death by Meeting, He's an organizational guru, too. And that assessment within an organization sets people up for success again, right? So their premise is there's six parts to work. You have two that are your genius, to use that word again, two that are competencies, to use that word again, and then two that are frustrations. Hmm. So, and then you see in an organization who thinks up the ideas, who discerns the ideas, who's going to sell the ideas, like push them, who's going to do it, and who's going to finish it. Because some of us, we just don't. We just don't do it all, contrary to popular belief. Right. And there is so much guilt and judgment about all that stuff we don't do. For some reason, we think we have to do it all. And we just don't have the, that's not the point of any of this. We're not on earth to do all of it by ourselves. It sounds beneficial to do this for yourself, but it also sounds like this is huge at companies and businesses. And anytime you're a part of a team. Yeah, because think about Claire, like you're working with whomever. That person is not behaving in the same way you are behaving. Mm -hmm. They're not showing up on time. They are not finishing their projects. Well, your genius is different than theirs. And so instead of causing frustration, right, there's the light bulb goes off again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or causing frustration for them when you confront them, you know, because they're not doing something the way you want them to do it. But instead of motivating them, right, you are, they're almost like deflated or defeated because of yeah, You're judgment upset. and guilt. Yeah, right? exactly. I feel guilty because I don't bring this. I feel judged because I don't bring right. this. Yeah. But I don't feel seen because this is what I bring. Yeah. And so that doesn't seem to be noticed. So there's this theory called the fundamental attribution theory, something to that effect that we talk about um, in The Working Genius. And it says that we judge ourselves by our intentions. We know that we are late to the meeting because we waited five minutes too long to get going. But the other person is late to the meeting and we judge them, you know, the next morning rolling our eyes like, why can't they ever get here? When in fact, they had the sick kid, right? Right. So the same behavior is not weighed yeah. the same way. Right. Yeah. And that's, again, like coming back into the guilt and judgment, whole piece of life. It's really amazing. Life. Yeah. All of it. And so learning these things, becoming a, a, a conscious leader, becoming aware of your Enneagram personality types, different things like that can help you navigate life, work, relationships, All of it. On and on. All of it. And the point is, in my world, the more self-aware, the more knowledge we have of ourselves, we actually build compassion for the people around us. Mm. We recognize we don't bring the whole package. Right. Right. We need other people around us to help get things done well. That's right. That's right. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Did we miss anything, Denise? Uh, I think we probably missed a a lot. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. You know, I'll either come back or yes. they can call me. Oh, I'm going to tell you my story. Please do because okay. um, I have your business card in front of me mm-hmm. and I love it. And your logo has a circle with a feather on it. Yeah. So um, the story goes that I have two big dogs and dogs are always better when they're walked. So amen. Yeah. <laughs> and so are their owners. So, yes. uh, so we walk a lot. And I find feathers. 
and I take pictures and I send them to, you know, my mom and dad. And I'm like, look what I found today. And it like dawned on me that not everybody finds feathers when they're walking. And I don't mean like I'm up in the bushes looking for feathers. I mean, they are in front of me on the street. Wow. Yeah, no, I don't see those. So initially, you know, people are like, well, you have a lot of cats and that's, you know, (laughs) that's the leftovers. You're seeing the leftovers. That's not the case. That's (laughs) not the case. So as I was really um, struggling with moving out into coaching, because I deal with the same fear everybody else does and scarcity and how do we make this happen and what if it doesn't. As I was grappling with that, um, I came to this understanding that the feathers were there on purpose, that there was something behind it, and it was a message, and I needed to pay attention. So um, as the decision came down and I really had to move on it, I just had a thought one day as I, you know, got the dogs ready to go. I thought, what if I would find three feathers today? Like, what if I did that? And off we went, walked along, and got halfway through the walk, and I looked down, and oh, feather number one. What do you know? Okay. And again, they're in front of me, Claire. I'm not having to move away. We walk another third of the distance or so, and again, I look down, and I find feather number two. So two feathers in a walk, that's already like different. Right. 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 Okay. So like it would be crazy to find three. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, I remind myself that I will not miss what is meant for me. Okay. Yeah. So there's a settling that all of us can do. If we're paying attention, Mm -hmm. we're not going to miss what's meant for us. So I started thinking on that, just walking along, you know, and of course, um, being the social one, the neighborhood, big dog, dog walker neighborhood, lots of us out with our animals. I'm starting to talk to people and wave and, you know, treats to all the animals. And all of a sudden my dogs pull off into the yard, right? And I turn real quickly and I look down and there's feather number three up against the curb. I have a picture of those three feathers on wow. my phone today. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. And that's why I'm here. You won't miss what's meant for you. You will not miss what's meant for you. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Tuck that away, my Claire. We'll definitely do that. Denise, bigger staff coaching. You can find her online. I highly recommend it. Um, I look forward to giving you a call yeah, and to do some coaching as well. And so right. you can go to dbcoaching.org or denise at dbcoaching.org. And um, yeah, probably give me a call. call. 812-430. 8532. My website's not up just yet. Maybe oh, by the time cool. this, maybe by the time this airs. No, it's going to air like tonight. Hello. Yeah, I'm going to probably turn it around tonight. I love her. Okay, people. Yeah. Well, so, call okay. me. Wait on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Denise at dbcoaching.org. O-R-G. Perfect. Denise, you thank you so much. Thanks, this is Claire. really fascinating and I love everything you shared. So I appreciate it so much. Love you.